What's up everybody, Tara Wellman here with a quick series preview for a quick series with the Minnesota Twins. Now, this is the second half of that two home, two away season series with the Twins, and things didn't go so well in the first half in St. Louis, for the Cardinals at least. The offense scuffled and continued that trend through the Padres series the rest of the week. And just about a week removed from that two-game sweep, the Cardinals have a chance to go into Minnesota and return the favor. But it's going to take some better offense and some good performances from the likes of Jack Flaherty making his third Major League start this season. And the unsung hero of the 2018 Cardinals, Miles Michaelis, taking on familiar foe Lance Lynn. Now, since we just saw the Twins a week ago and heard a lot of things about them and where they stand from Brandon Warren, if you missed it, go back and check that out because some of the information is still very relevant. I decided to bring in my Birds on the Black cohort, Alex Chrisafuli, and we wanted to talk more about where the Cardinals are coming into this series and what we can expect, what we look forward to, and also Alex Reyes. Not because it has anything to do with this series, but because he's exciting. And I saw him pitch last night. So without further ado, here's our series preview with a Cardinals twist. So Alex, we just saw this Twins team at the start of what was not a particularly successful week for the Cardinals. Losing the two to the Twins on the heels of that exciting Cubs series, I don't know about you, but I wasn't particularly surprised that that the Cardinals looked a little flat, at least in that first game against the Twins, especially when you look at they were facing Fernando Romero, who is their young stud. It was a John Gant start. There were a lot of issues that made that potentially not a great game, but... Um, it, it doesn't change the fact that the Cardinals can't be particularly happy with how they played against a Twins team that hasn't been all that successful this year. No, I mean, I think they were outscored 13 to one in the, in the two games. Um, so obviously uh, that's not good. Um, but, you know, I think people overreacted a little bit, you know, when you talk about a uh, 162 game season, when even very good teams still win less than 60% of their games, um, you know, you're going to have stretches like that and you just hope to, you know, they get to play these, these teams again. You, you hope that they just can actually like, you know, I, I obviously want them to win both games. Um, they should, they should win at least one. Um, but I would say from a big picture standpoint, what they were frustrating with last year, which is losing to teams like the Reds, um, more than they should. I think they were 10 and nine against the Reds last year. Um, which is not great when the Reds were awful and you play them 19 times and you want to beat the awful teams um, more than that. And then you look at that, their record against the Cubs. And I think that stat got circulated a lot, which is like the Cubs and Cardinals were like the exact same team. If you take out the record against each other. And that was a difference. Well, if you look at where we're at now, you know, which is still very early in the season, the Cardinals are dominating the Reds and they're playing well against the Cubs. Um, I'm assuming they have, I haven't looked up the stats, but I'm assuming they have a very good record in the division since they are what, 11 and one again, combined against the Reds and the Cubs. Um, and those are things they weren't great at last year. So, you know, the two and six, the two and four stretch, I guess, against the Twins and Padres, um, that seemed like a good time to, you know, 
come off that Cub series, that awesome Cub series, and you know maybe create a little more space. But to me, it's also not the end of the world either. Um, I think I just did a very long roundabout way to answer your question, and maybe I didn't even answer. I don't even remember what your question was. <laughs> no, I mean the point I think is that this Cardinals team didn't play very well this week, especially coming off of that series. But you're right. Um, I wasn't quite as uh, horrified, perhaps, (laughs) about that two-game set, or even the the two that they lost in San Diego. I mean, it's it's frustrating to see them not score, and I think that's the bigger issue than um, maybe dropping those particular four games. Um, So coming into this series with the Twins, uh, the Cardinals, for just for reference, for context, um, in the last seven games, they've scored 16 runs in seven games with a, I think, minus 10 run differential or something like that. So they're they're being outscored. They're not putting up runs consistently. Uh, in the National League, um, they're ninth in, in, the, uh, in the league with runs scored through the first six innings. Um, they're 11th in the league after the seventh inning. Um, plus, I think one interesting thing... So they are innings one through six... They are ninth in, in the NL in scoring. Yes. And then seven on, they are up first. They're 11th? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is interesting because, so that Cubs series, right, there were two walk-off wins. The Cardinals have had some walk-offs that make it seem like, cool, these late-inning rallies, they come back and score. But <laughs> similar to uh, perhaps Dexter Fowler uh, in the the way that his season has broken down, he has some exciting moments, but overall, it's still not great. So the Cardinals still aren't really scoring late in games uh, particularly well, and and I think we've seen a lot of that this last week. Yeah, you know what, though? Um, and this kind of goes back to the point I was just making a second ago in terms of this season compared to last season. If, if I recall, last year they were 24 and 29 in one-run games. Um, when they lost that extra innings game to the Padres on what was that Saturday night that went 13, that was their first loss in a one run game. Um, I, I think they'd won five in a row, five one run games in a row. You know, they're like four and four in extra innings, which I don't recall what their record was last year, but, um, I believe they had a losing record in extra innings. So like, you, you know, you take 24, 29 last year and you flip that and they might be in that wild card game. And I, again, I don't remember exactly what their record is in one-run games this year, but it's it's good. It's They have a winning record, and if they can come out on the good side of, of those one-run games, which often has to do with nothing more than luck, um, sometimes it has to do with Matheny um, doing bad things, um, <laughs> um, but often it's just luck. And so if they can come out on the other side of that, um, I, I think – you know, they'll be in pretty good shape. That actually surprised me, that stat that they have dropped, um, um, you know, their 11th in scoring, innings, innings 7 through um, till the end of the game. I'm curious what they are in terms of actually uh, giving up runs um, and whether or not they, they are. Because that was the problem last year, right? Yeah. I think after six innings or seven innings, they were a, a very good club. And then from, like, you know, seventh inning on or eighth inning on, they were – they had a – I, I think if I recall, the stat was if you ended a game after the sixth inning last year, meaning like if a, if a game was tied after the sixth innings, I would just go in as a tie. If you were winning, you won that game. Um, I think they were like 12 or 14 games over 500. Um, and, you know, we, we know they ended up being like four games over 500. So you can see where the a lot of the problems were last year. Yeah, there was definitely – well, I mean, if you look at the way that the bullpen shaped up last year, there was – 
There's been a lot of movement for the Cardinals in that pen this year, but not necessarily in the same way where, you know, you have Sanguano who's supposed to be your closer and he can't get anybody out. And then you have Trevor Rosenthal who gets hurt and then you have no one who can close games. Um, so they've, they've had a different, different issue as far as, um, late games. And it, it, it may just be the fact that they're not scoring in general. So when you look at what they do one through six, they've mostly got their starter in there who has been successful to this point. Most of their starting pitching has been, um, I think maybe better than some people expected, myself included. Uh, looking at you, Miles Michaelis. <laughs> um, but I think the the scoring just sort of snowballs or the lack of scoring snowballs and then you get into those situations where um you know the bullpen gives up I'll run and all of a sudden you're down in the eighth inning and then they they don't just don't come back from that as as much as they would need to to uh to win some of those close games but like you said they're, they're better in that category than they were last year so I guess we just have to take that for what it is and and maybe not overthink it too much <laughs> You know what I always wonder about this stuff. Um, you know when you when you follow um, baseball, and if you're a fan of one particular team, like we both are, you know we spend our time with that team, and so like all of my biases are relegated um, toward that team. And so, and maybe it doesn't feel as much like this this year because they're not scoring a ton of runs. Um, I you know I think their offense is below average in WRC plus compared to um, league average compared to the other teams. Um, but it always seemed in past years like it was like, you know, that feast or famine. Like, you know, they're either going to beat a team like nine to one or they're going to lose uh, two to one or something like that. Um, I always wonder if everyone feels that way about their team. Um, and I'd like to see. And one, I don't know if that narrative about the Cardinals um, la- the last couple seasons is actually true. I think I actually looked into it one time in after 2016 and it kind of was true. Um, but I have no idea how that compares to every other team in the league. And as far as I know, every other fan of every other team is sitting here saying, like, you know, this this team scores 10 runs one night and then can't score, you know, a single run the next night. Um, you know, uh, you know, why can't we get a hit with runners and scoring? But, you know, there's these little things that are frustrating that seem like they only happen to your team. But I suspect they happen to every single almost every single team uh, in the league. Yeah, at one point last year, I was looking at this idea of a shutdown inning, right? And the fact that Cardinals pitchers seemed to have this dramatically evident problem with coming in and putting up a zero after their after the offense puts runs on the board. Um, so I started looking at it sort of in isolation because that's what we do when we're following one team. Uh, and, you know, you start to see these numbers and the, the inability to shut a team down the inning after your your offense scores. But then I started comparing it to other teams and I didn't carry it out through the, the, the entire season because it's a lot of spreadsheets and I just did not have that kind of time. Um, but it it was not as dramatically tilted uh, against the Cardinals as you would think it is. So I, I do think it's one of those things that um, when you view something sort of in a vacuum, it, it seems a little bit more exaggerated than it probably really is. But I think that you uh, we're seeing that sort of with the way that the results have turned out. The Cardinals still hanging in there at, at right around, hanging around the top of the division that's so close as it is. But even all these things that are frustrating, the fact that they're not scoring runs, they're still winning a, a good portion of their games, even if they're not particularly pretty. Right. And, you know, eventually, and this is, I almost, 
am hesitant to veer into this territory because we know how volatile it's been lately, but like Fowler and Carpenter have to um, um, start hitting. Um, and I mean, I suspect they will, or at least I, you know, I think it's almost any reasonable person would agree that they're going to be better than what they have been. Um, if they can be as good as they both were last year, I, I think people forget that Fowler, I think had a, like a 120 WRC plus last year. Um, you, you know, mostly because he found a, a power stroke and stuff like that. So I, I think eventually they will start, they will start hitting, but you know, it kind of needs to happen pretty soon. And, you know, um, Otherwise, I think there are real decisions to to that Matheny needs to ask himself when filling out a lineup card, like, you know, how how much do we need to have these guys in the lineup? Um, and it's kind of a conundrum, of, which is that, um, you know, obviously I'm not a baseball player, but I assume, you know, the old adage, the best way to get out of a slump is to just keep taking hacks and eventually it'll happen. Um, but, you know, how long can we stick with that? Can this be an Alan Craig type situation in 2014 where we just keep penciling him into the lineup where he's just absolutely killing us and uh, from a production standpoint in right field to the point that they had to trade him? Um, obviously, I don't think they're going to force a trade for uh, Carpenter and Fowler, especially I think Fowler has a no trade anyway. Um, but, you know, it's starting to be kind of a weird situation where I, I really don't know um, what the answer is. Luckily, they have guys who have come up, you know, this is kind of a Cardinals thing. They've had guys come up and who have performed pretty well, um, you know, when they're in the lineup, be it Bader, um, you know, Jose Martinez. Um, it's cooled off a little bit, but he has been somewhat of a, uh, you know, a surprise, even though I think a lot of people who follow the, the uh, you know, the StatCast stuff tell you that this isn't as much of a surprise as some people think it is. Um, but Fowler and Carpenter need to start hitting. I, you know, that's it's as simple as that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's tough because you're right. I do think that a lot of people give Matheny grief for this idea that oh we need to let him we need to let him play to work their way out of it. But you kind of do need to let him play to work their way out of it. It's just a matter of um, how much of a detriment that is to the rest of the team over someone else who isn't trying to play their way out of a slump. Um, to be clear, I'm definitely not on on the uh, side of the spectrum that just says, let's release them all. <laughs> just DFA, Carpenter and Fowler. That's not, uh, that's not a thing not that happens. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they don't. I was talking to uh, Daniel Shopta on our podcast the other night, and we were like, do people just use DFA as like like a text acronym? It's just a thing that they say, and they really have no idea what it means, because um, let's be clear, that's not going to happen with Dexter Fowler or Matt Carpenter. <laughs> Here's uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but if I recall, um, was it the Friday night game in San Diego where they just hit a bunch of home runs and yeah. they just uh, the offense went nuts? So, so neither Fowler uh, nor Carpenter were penciled in, in that lineup. And of course, you were hearing all this like, look what happens when you throw your best lineup out there, they score runs. Well, guess who also wasn't in the lineup on Sunday? Fowler and Carpenter were not in the starting lineup, if I recall. And guess who all of a sudden wasn't. Did they score 10 runs? No, because that's not how baseball works. Like, you know, I don't know. I'm just so tired of, of – uh, I want them to start hitting just so some people will <laughs> stop talking about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Dexter Fowler and Matt Carpenter have taken a lot of the heat from the offense. But let's be honest, Marcelo Zuna is not really um, – 
firing on all cylinders right now either, and uh, neither is Colton Wong. And without Yadier Molina, the catching situation is a bit of a crapshoot right now. And going into the series with the Twins, I mentioned Jack Flaherty getting the start. You would think that the familiarity with Flaherty and uh, Carson Kelly would um, perhaps be better than uh, a situation where you've got a catcher and a pitcher who don't know each other that well. This Flaherty start... Uh, obviously, he's making the start in place of Carlos Martinez, which is an issue in and of itself. But focusing on Flaherty for a minute, uh, Alex Reyes is coming. And I saw him in person last night in Peoria. He looks great. He's obviously the, the golden child for that next spot in the rotation. But Jack Flaherty has an opportunity to make another statement about his readiness in the major leagues, doing it against the Twins, who... We're on a bit of a uh, on a bit of a, a rise offensively when they came into that last series against the Cardinals. What do you think Jack Flaherty needs to do in this start to uh, to sort of reestablish his place in that hierarchy? Well, I, I think um, not give um, many runners a free base. I think you know he walks a lot of batters. I think he has like what I I think he has an over twelve percent walk rate um, either either here, which isn't a huge sample, or down in Memphis. I can't remember where. Um, and, you know, the Twins aren't a good offensive team. Um, I think they have the third or fourth lowest uh, WRC plus as a team uh, in the American League. And if you look at the teams who are behind them, like the Orioles and the R- Royals, like teams that are set to lose a whole bunch of games, um, this is a, you know, this is an offense where you can kind of find your groove against, hopefully. Um you know, he's, he's been striking out a ton of batters in Memphis. Um, he, he's kind of like the opposite of Miles uh, Michaelis, right? Like we're getting, um, uh, you know, to two pitchers who are at kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum because uh, Michaelis, uh, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that name. I don't I've think anybody it. does. <laughs> I, I think it's Michaelis, but whatever. Uh, you know, he doesn't walk anybody, which is, which is wonderful, but he doesn't. Um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't strike out a ton of batters, at least as, you know, when compared to the era we are currently in. Um, so, so yeah, just limit the walks. Um, uh, and, and I feel like, you know, this, this offense doesn't scare me the, talking about the twins offense. Um, so just don't give those guys of, you know, free bases. Um, hope the offense, our offense finds something to, you know, put four or five runs on the board. And I, I think we should be in good shape. I, I now is, uh, is Flaherty going, going against, uh, Barrios tonight, yes. and then Lincoln tomorrow night against Flaherty. I mean, against I'm sorry, against Michaelis, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Which are two interesting matchups, I think. Um, if you uh, if you listen to or watch Kyle Reese on his uh, Prospects After Dark periscopes, he mentioned Barrios last night and and was suggesting. I usually go to bed way before ends, um, and when it starts to get just a little uh, <laughs> past PG thirteen, right, um, right. <laughs> I bail. I uh, I was listening to it on my drive home from Peoria last night and jumped in at, at just about that point where it was like, huh, this was probably less weird if I'd been here all along. But nonetheless, yeah. here we are. Uh, but he was talking about uh, Jose Barrios and basically suggesting that it won't be surprising if uh, he has a really strong night against the Cardinals. Now, he has struggled in his last, I would say, four starts um, given up four or five runs. Uh, but he also has a complete game shutout on the year. So I feel like he's a bit of a wild card as what the Cardinal, as far as what the Cardinals can expect from him. Well, I think he, 
he doesn't walk many batters, if I recall. Um, and pretty much across the board elsewhere, he's pretty average. Um, and I mean that in a good way. Like, like you know, he's he's he he. It doesn't seem to have like a ton of weaknesses. Maybe he has like a high home run per fly ball rate. I think I saw, but you know, I, I think that's on like six or seven total home runs. So we're not talking about. Um, necessarily a ton so far um so yeah he's a he's a solid pitcher i, I haven't looked at um their rotation as a whole but it, i it wouldn't surprise me if he is their best um, pitcher from a f war standpoint or whatever war you want to use um because i because th- i think he's thrown the most innings as well um i want to back up a little bit because you know i said their offense doesn't scare me I'm talking about the twins offense but I think another thing to consider is something we've talked about with Fowler and Carpenter, which is that, like, you know, um, Byron Buxton was hurt and he's back mm. now, but he's just been awful. Um, I, I think um, in, in like, 55 or 60 plate appearances, he has, like, a 20 WRC+. Plus. Uh, Brian Dozier has, I think, been a little – I think he's hitting close to league average right now, which, you know, past years he's been around a, a 120 WRC plus hitter. I think he hit – Hit like 42. I almost forget, like, because I was looking at his stats last night. Like, oh my gosh, he hit 42 home runs uh, <laughs> in 2016. And then I remembered that. Do you remember around Christmas time before 2017 season when there was like rumblings, like maybe Wong was going to be traded? Yes, that's right. And stuff like that. And it was right after like the team had also made these comments about like that they were like committed to Wong and stuff. And it was just a very um, weird, but so also unusual. Very- the usual very, with Colton. Yeah, very situation, <laughs> right? We're like this stupid drama that seems completely unnecessary in terms of like from a communication standpoint with the front office and the players plays out um, in the post-dispatch. Um, and again, this could be something that happens to every team and I just don't notice it because I'm following this team. Um, but, but yeah, that would seem like a very Cardinals thing. But anyway, my point is like, as far as I know, this this Twins offense could be ready to um, bust out to the at least to the point that they are capable. Um, so maybe I shouldn't be so, you know, rely, relying on the fact that so far they haven't been that good. The Cardinals have been known a time or two to help a team break out of a slump, <laughs> so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be shocking. Um, but the second game of the series, Miles Michaelis against Lance Lynn, is fascinating to me uh, for a number of reasons. One, because I just love Lance Lynn, and I think that uh, any chance that um, there is to mostly hear him in interviews <laughs> more than uh, watching him pitch is going to be a good time. Um, but it is interesting to see these two uh, matched up directly, because essentially the Cardinals swapped Lance Lynn for Miles Michaelis, and uh Seemingly, that was the better choice for uh, the way that they've both performed so far this season. Right. Um, you know, that was another kind of controversial talking point this offseason, which is like, and this was before we knew how good Michaelis was going to be, at least up to this point, which is like, you know, why we have these proven starters on the sideline, be it Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, um, Darvish, although there was never much of a, uh, they never seemed to uh get in the Darvish uh, race all that much. Why are we relying on um, a staff that feels like a great big unknown when we have a guy like Lance Lynn there? Um, and now we are kind of seeing, you know, my, I think, and, then, and to be fair, there were a lot of people also saying, uh, no, like look at Lance's uh, 
uh, peripheral stats from 2017, and the arrow is pointing down here. Um, I, I don't know how burned he felt by the Cardinals um, to the point of would he not even still accept that qualifying offer, even though he got, I think, way less in Minnesota, if I recall. I don't remember the exact figure. But his, his walk rate um, has increased uh, a ton and has gone up every every year the last four years. And yeah, that might not seem like a big deal because you know the walk rate is pretty high across the league. But he if, he is at like near sixteen percent. Um, and I think only Lucas Giolito, who we also saw, um, I guess last week or two weeks ago, is the only person who's done at least thirty innings who's walking more batters um, than Lance Lynn is right now. And it kind of pains me to say it because I love Lance Lynn, but. I'm also not that upset that he's not pitching for the Cardinals this, this season. You mentioned you don't know how how burned Lance Lynn might have felt. Um, I will be curious to see how he goes out against his former team. Um, it seems like there are he's not the kind of guy that's going to make a big deal about it either way. Um, but I would imagine that he's going to be anxious to put up probably his best start of the season <laughs> against the Cardinals. But... That could also the way that Lance Lynn pitches. If he's if he's trying too hard, if he's trying to overthrow it, if he's trying to be too uh, too accurate, that could be problematic for him. Yeah, and and that's one of the things I loved about Lance Lynn uh, is that you know I think a lot of people love like pitchers who are like oh this guy's cool as a cute you know he doesn't get rattled like. When when Lance was pissed, you knew it, you know, like he was like stomping around the mound, like sometimes even before like his delivery hit the catcher's mitt, I could already like see him scowling, you know, like, uh, so I, I don't, I don't know his mental makeup enough to know whether or not like he pitches better or worse when he's mad or if it doesn't matter at all, or if he has something to prove if that's actually going to do anything. Um, but he, from an entertainment standpoint, um, he he was always fun to watch because he wasn't just this kind of like uh, slab of concrete, you know, you know, like that never moved or something. Um, you know, he was always very animated out there. So yeah, you know, there's a part of me that hopes um, if we had to lose one of these games that like that like he, you know he would throw like seven or eight solid innings, um, you know, and um, and that would be the game we lose. Obviously, I hope we win both, but. Um, I don't know. I was kind of hoping he would get a start in St. Louis so he could get a, a hand that he deserves. Um, I think I did read that they showed him on a video board or something and he got um, a decent applause. Um, and that's good because there were always, um, it, it, at least it seemed this way. I think Twitter has kind of warped my brain. To, I, I don't know how much what's real and what isn't, but there always seemed to be a segment of people who, who never appreciated him enough. Um, who always thought he was like uh, he was like the head case before Jaime Garcia was a head case, um, and now I guess Carlos Martinez, if he uh, looks, you know, not one hundred percent like an ace, is is the head. I don't know, um, but there was a there was definitely um, a contingent that that felt that way about Lance Lynn, um, and so I was glad that he and that was stupid. You know, he threw like I don't know. I, 2012 through 2015, he threw probably on average close to 200 innings every season. Um, and that's that's not trivial at all. That's something, you know, any team would want from a starting pitcher. So I was glad he got a hand. Um, I hope we we rough him up on uh, tomorrow. But if, if we do have to lose one game, uh, let it be that game. Full disclosure, I was not uh, Lance Lynn's biggest fan at the beginning. 
of that time period. Um, but it was it was a situation where I just felt like there were specific things that he needed to continue to develop. And he did. He he became progressively better, really, in, until the injury became an issue and he missed a season. And, um, you know, if you listen to many of his postgame interviews, it won't be long before he, uh, he changes your mind just for the entertainment value, like you mentioned. Um, but going up against Miles Michaelis, um, and I just sort of want to talk about him for a minute because uh, I, I think he's kind of catching the attention of Major League Baseball as a bit of a surprise. Um, I think it's surprising people that he can reach back and hit 98 if he needs to, but he's also surprising people by his consistency. And um, as someone who was not particularly uh, inspired by the move to bring Miles Michaelis into this rotation, uh, I've, I've been extremely impressed to the point where, you know, I, I look forward to Michaelis starts now, which is not something I expected to be saying, especially at this point in the season. Sure. I was, I was more or less agnostic on the signing um, just because I really didn't know much about him. Um, although the fact that he seemed pretty coveted by several teams um, made me think like, okay, you know, we might have something here. Um, yeah. I mean, he's been great. Um, I'm, I'm sure the, some stats say he's due for some regression, but you know, he's, he's, if I, I think he has to be leading the the league and walk rate. Um, you know, I think it's under 2%. He's walked like, I think three total batters all season. Uh, one stat I saw interesting is that, um, I think he's allowed 14 runs, um, all season, um, whether earned or unearned, uh, who knows, but he's also given up six home runs. Um, and so, and that seems to be the thing, like, you know, he goes seven innings, uh, gives up one or two runs, um, and it's usually on like a a pitch that you know whatever maybe not have been his best pitch of the night, and someone put it in the seats. Um, so he has you know teams aren't immune from hitting home runs off of him. Um, but other than that, he's been just like brilliant. It's it's uh, it's great to watch, and and the fact that you know he he hit that home run in his first <laughs> start that was his first start, right? Uh, Hockey. Uh, yeah. Backwards. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, no, he he's been wonderful, and it's like you think of where, because um, you know, right now the back of the rotation is kind of like you know who is our number five starter? Like no one knows. Um, if, if he hadn't panned out, and and credit to the front office that they seem pretty confident in this guy to the point that they weren't even really chasing other starting pitchers. Um, if he hadn't panned out, it's, it, it makes me wonder where this rotation would be right now. Yes, it's I guess it's, the Cardinals are kind of one of the teams who can absorb a problem like that because you know, they have all these much talked about uh, great players, um, great prospects. You know, in Memphis right now, Alex Reyes. Uh, as soon as the sixty-day DL is over, he has a chance to come up. And if, if last night was an indicator in Peoria, um, you know, he could be great as well. But but yeah. Um, that does little good, you know, April 1st through May 15th, you know, when the games count as well and you need to win those games. So, you know, Michaelis has been outstanding. You mentioned Alex Reyes. Uh, it has nothing to do with the Twin Series, but let's talk about Alex Reyes for a minute because I did get to see him in Peoria last night. Uh, he was spectacular. Um, it's, you know, he's pitching against a lineup that he should look completely dominant against. But... Uh, 
he did not disappoint. There were there were audible gasps multiple times uh, on strikeout pitches because there was just that much movement. There was that much variation between a 99 mile an hour fastball at the knees and a you know an 82 mile an hour breaking ball uh, off the plate. It was it was spectacular to see him, and I think. Um, I don't. I know that the Cardinals have been pretty coy about where they see him fitting in, but I don't know. I, I with the Adam Wainwright situation, with Carlos Martinez at least missing this one start, it's got to feel like Alex Reyes has a pretty clear path to a, a starting rotation job with the Cardinals. Yeah, it, you know, we know that starting rotation one through five is pretty fluid, especially when you get to June and July and injuries and you know, dead arms, whatever, start, you know, popping up. Um, so it certainly seems, um, and believe me, this is just me parroting things I've read from other people. I'm not like a prospects person, but it certainly seems like he's being groomed to be a starting pitcher. And that's good because I don't, I think the last thing we wanted was him to be uh, like kind of pigeonholed as like a, a relief pitcher or, you know, um, and then like, I don't know, a situation comes up where it's just like, you know, can we just get this guy out of the bullpen and, you know, into the starting rotation? Um, and that that has me really excited, um, especially just from a standpoint of anytime a guy has Tommy John surgery. And, and believe me, we aren't there yet at all. But anytime a guy misses a whole season for Tommy John like that young, you just never know. Um how they're going to come back. And a part of me was worried, like, you know what, like we may have just missed on this guy. And that's, that happens with these sort of injuries. So, um, yeah, if he could, if he could come up and be like that electric pitcher that, you know, you've been reading about in baseball America and prospectus for all these years, um, man, not only would that be great just from a rotation standpoint, but just from like an excitement of every five days we get to watch this guy pitch, um, that, that is something that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, you know, especially like baseball's long is a very long season and, um, we're lucky in that it's been a really long time since the Cardinals have had one of those teams that's been out of it in June. Um, most people probably can't remember that time, but you know, that happens. Um, and sooner or later it's probably going to happen to the Cardinals again. And the way to get through a season like that is you have a guy like Alex Reyes you can look forward to every five days. Um, so, so that's the great thing about Alex Reyes is not only does he make your team better, but when your team is bad, he makes them worth watching um, at least every once in a while. Yeah, I, I remember talking to, well, two things. First of all, when Alex Reyes came up at the end of the year when he first made his Major League debut, I remember thinking that because it was not... It was not a great year up until that point. And I remember thinking, man, this is a thing that, if nothing else, fans are going to be really excited to see if he's as good as advertised. And they're going to want to watch these games. I want to watch these games where Alex Reyes is pitching, not because I'm particularly concerned about the result, but because I want to see Alex Reyes pitch. Um, so I think he brings that to the 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 team to the organization to the field every time he's out there um i think we saw a little bit of that with the reaction to his his rehab start last night but then i also remember um early in the season actually it was uh the the very first series of the year with the mets 
um, in doing that preview, we were talking a little bit about Matt Harvey before <laughs> the Matt Harvey drama uh, escalated very quickly. Um, but the point was made there that it was hard for um, Mets fans to kind of let go of Matt Harvey because he'd been that guy. When the Mets were really bad, Matt Harvey was still really good. And every five days, you still wanted to watch that team because it was Matt Harvey day. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I feel like I should probably give a mention to Carlos Martinez, too. It's not it's not fair to leave him out of that discussion because, um, you know, it's he hasn't been like Greg Maddox or, or like Pedro Martinez, but he's been pretty close to being a guy you get excited about every five days to get the ball. So, um, you know, we have had Carlos. Um, and if you add Reyes to that equation, um, then this is going to be a fun team. So I just, I just hope it, you know, I just want it to work out, (laughs) you know, you know, we're due for a break from, uh, that would probably make other, uh, that would probably make fans of other fan bases, uh, roll their eyes. But I I feel like we're due for a break of having just a guy come up and just be exciting and, um, you know, um, which, and is really projecting a lot for a guy coming off Tommy John who's pitching in, you know, uh, Peoria last night, but. I don't care. That's where I want this to go. So I'm I'm setting my hopes hopes pretty high. And he was asked about that after the game last night too. Um, just sort of how he takes the fact that there are these great expectations for him, and knowing that he's coming off of an injury, knowing that there are still some unknowns. Um, and he basically was like, "No, it's cool that the fans are excited to see me. I'm I'm not gonna overthink that. But uh, I'm as excited to get there as they are to see me there. So hopefully it all works out." <laughs> I have a question, and maybe there, maybe you couldn't tell just from being there one night or anything. Um, and I, I haven't looked at his stat line other than I saw he struck out twelve batters. Um, isn't that right? He struck out twelve. Yeah. Um, his big, if he had a problem when he was up, is that you know he walked guys, he had trouble uh, with his command sometimes. Did he look fine from that standpoint? Is there? Um, I, I should be following this more closely than I am, but. Um, What's the word on that? Has he solved that at all? Or is that still just kind of like, hey, you know, not everyone's perfect. And look, this guy's pretty awesome. He's going to have a, one little thing that might kind of annoy you a little bit, but you'll get over it because he does all these other great things. For the most part, it was it was really good. He was really solid. He was attacking the strike zone most of the night. There were two, he walked two guys last night, and in both of those at-bats, he fell behind early. Um, and I, I, if I remember correctly, in both cases, he tried to get a strike on the inside corner of the plate to start, and then tried to go outside and missed on both sides of the plate um, in, in both of those at-bats. And so once he got to that point, he didn't, he wasn't quite able to... <laughs> reel it back in and and get the strikeout. But immediately following both of those walks, he struck out the next guy on like four pitches. Um, So there were those two little instances where it it was evident that he was trying to find the edge of the plate and wasn't quite there, but he was able to correct it relatively quickly uh, in in whatever his approach was to the next batter. So I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if he was he was working on that command um, and there were just those two little blips on the radar. But uh, over over the course of a night, uh, I'll certainly take that. And it looked like it was never a situation where he his mechanics got out of whack or he just had no idea where the ball was going. It was just those two little instances um, where he fell behind and then wasn't able to uh, to backtrack, but but seemed to rectify it very quickly with the next batter. Okay, 
I, I guess the only reason why that worries me um, is, you know, he strikes out, he strikes out a lot of batters, and if you're doing that and also walking a lot of batters, you're putting in a lot of work. You're yeah. throwing a lot of pitches um, versus um, that's a lot of labor versus a guy like, I don't know, Miles Michaelis, who pitches more to contact um, and gets, you know, a lot more outs on one or two pitches, you know, per net bat. So I don't know. I, I think that's the only thing that worries me about him is that, like, you know, that's a lot of just stress on the arm if, if you're striking out a lot of batters, but also walking a lot of batters. But, yeah, I, I can be more excited for him. And he um, – it was interesting hearing him after the game uh, because – by all accounts, it was a very successful outing for him uh, and impressive in many ways. But the first thing he was asked was essentially, what did you think about your outing tonight? And he kind of hesitated and he, he was he was very hesitant to say, yeah, I felt really good. It was it was a really strong outing. I, I really feel good about where my pitches were. Um, and the first thing he said was, uh, there's still some things to work on. I fell behind some batters. Um, and he he was you could see him sort of recounting it. And, and he said, well, I, I faced 18 hitters and I think I've uh, got first pitch strikes on nine of them. So I really want to work on getting a first pitch strike more often. So he's oh. there. He knows he knows what he's looking at and uh, where he needs to make those improvements, um, which I thought was impressive coming off of just a rehab start where the biggest concern is how his arm feels, not necessarily uh, how many first pitch strikes there were. Right. Right. No, that's, that's interesting. So, uh, like I said, Alex Reyes has nothing to do with the Twins series uh, this week, but it, it seemed relevant um, based on what we saw last night and, of course, based on what we're going to be seeing as the Cardinals try to figure out what to do with Adam Wainwright. Anything else about this Twins series that stands out to you as far as uh, the Cardinals are concerned or where the Twins might be at in, in trying to uh, continue their success against the Cardinals? Well, the AL Central is bad. Um, I think the Twins are in second place, and they're, by, I think, two games under 500 and have, like, a 15% chance of making the playoffs um, because they, you know, they get to play a lot of worse teams like the, the Royals and the White Sox. Um, but not so relevant to this series in general, but I just want to be – I always want to beat the Twins um, because the first baseball season I really followed was 1987. Um and even without Jack Clark, who was banged up for that series, like we were better than the Twins. Um, you know, people always talk about um, the 2006 Cardinals who won the World Series and only won 83 games. Well, the 87 Twins only won 85 games, and they had a negative 20 run differential. They were outscored by the rest of the league during, you know, during the season. Um, I don't know if that's ever happened for a World Series winner. I, I believe at least the 2006 Cardinals were at least like 20, 20 I, I think 20 plus runs on the, on the year, which, you know, isn't great either. But, you know, I was like eight years old. I was like, okay, this is like perfect. My, my team's the best. It's going to be like this every year. And then they lose to the Twins and that stupid white roof Metrodome where uh, – I might be exaggerating this a little bit, but I feel like our players couldn't even see the ball like coming down from the sky because they weren't used to playing there. And Jack Clark's hurt. Um, the only, the most memorable moment came from Tim, La you know, uh, Tim, Tom, you know, Lawless hitting the uh, the home run and flipping the bat. Uh, yeah, so I always want to beat these guys just because I feel like we owe it to them for 87. <laughs> uh, 
you know, n- not that they're like an evil franchise. They're they're anything but. They're a very likable, likable franchise, um, and they've had a lot of likable players. I, I enjoy their fans, but yeah, I. But those I just, childhood memories, they yeah, don't I, go away. <laughs> so it was really bad because game seven, um, it was a school night, if I recall, and I had to go to bed. You know, I was like, I was like eight years old. Um, and so I had to go to bed and my parents woke me up in the middle of the night or not in the middle of the night, but when they were going to bed to tell me that the Cardinals lost. Um, and I was the only Cardinals fan in my household. So I was the only one who had like a strong, like... I was the only person vested in this news. And I woke up the next morning and I thought to myself, like, maybe that was like a dream and didn't happen, that conversation. Maybe my parents never came in. I just, like, I went and thought them out and they're like, no, no, they lost. Yeah, it's over. And so I had to find out, like, twice, like, the Cardinals lost the World Series. And I think I was crying or something. I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair reason to... um always want to beat the twins. Uh, I just hope they beat the twins because I don't really want to hear about it on Twitter for the next, you know, three months about how they uh, got swept by the twins. That That's sort of the my selfish reason for wanting them to uh, to play well this weekend. But also, just I, I, this offense really needs to find itself. And uh, if it's going to happen, it, it should start to happen against teams that don't have uh, the best pitching to offer so that then when they are playing um, teams in the division or, or the teams they're going to have to keep up with in order to make a postseason run, um, they're not trying to find it against, uh, you know, those guys who uh, stifle good teams <laughs> offensively. I think you're absolutely right. Like, with so many bad teams, um, come the end of the year, what might separate teams like the Cardinals and the Brewers and the Cubs might be, um, and maybe I'm giving the Brewers too much credit here, who knows, but it might be how they did against these bad teams because there's so many of them. And so if, you know, one team plays like just barely over 500 against them or one team just like mashes them like they should, that could end up being the difference. Um, so yeah, I don't want to say these games don't matter at all. Cause I think anything, but so it would be nice to, um, beat the twins like we should like we should have an 87 there you go exactly yeah. it all comes full circle <laughs> well alex i don't want to take up any more of your time but uh this was a different twist on the series preview focusing more on the cardinals but there are just so many things cardinal specific that i felt like we needed to talk about so i appreciate your time this morning no this was fun thanks for having me as you can see there was much to talk about as far as the cardinals go right now. Heading into this series, heading into the homestand, coming off of the West Coast trip that was, man, mildly unsuccessful. Look, this is a confusing team right now in a lot of ways because they're winning more games than they lose, and that's what you want. But they also have some really troubling trends that need to be rectified sooner rather than later if they want to stay in that conversation as far as one of the better teams in the division. It's going to be a battle all season. I get that. And I'm certainly not suggesting that you solve these issues by just completely flipping the roster, trading teams with Memphis for a while and seeing what happens. That's not how you fix what's going on with the Cardinals right now, particularly offensively. How you fix it is you just got to get some guys going. And if I knew how to make that happen, I'd be working for the Cardinals, not doing series previews for you. But nonetheless, hopefully it's a good series with the Twins, and hopefully it's a great homestand with the Phillies 
and the Royals coming up next. I will see you then for another series preview. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter for more.